0: Happy New Year. Year. I think it's so cool to have New Year's Eve on a Sunday because at the the same time, simultaneously, we can end a year and begin a year. And I actually think that's kind of the, the dynamic of Sunday anyway in the rhythm of a person who wants to grow in their connection with God. You come to Sunday and it's like, you know what? It was a hard week, or I didn't do so well in that area, or I didn't hit my goals, or I I dropped the ball, or or maybe I had a great week. Whatever that was, you come to Sunday, and it's like, okay, I got to lay some of that down because that's in the past. Hey, newsflash, you don't live your life in the past. All of your life is to be lived now and forward. So you come to Sunday, we lay down last week. And we turn and we pick up this week. And I think like it's 10x that dynamic when Sunday is New Year's Eve. Because now we have a whole year of stuff. Some we need to celebrate, look at again, thank God for. Some of it we need to lay down. How many of you have something you need to lay down? Right? And then how many of you already have started thinking, I hope this year this is some stuff I get to embrace. This is some stuff I want to receive. This is some stuff I want to accomplish. This is some stuff I want to pick up. You've already said you want to lay something down. How many of you want to pick something up this year? Right? That's what we're going to do. Now, today, today is going to be different. I mean, this is going to be kind of a different service, and I hope that it's important to you. I hope you leave saying, man, I'm really glad I did that. Today, I want to teach you a skill, give you some tools so that you can become a spiritual self-feeder. I want you to become a person who actually knows how to intake spiritual vitamins every single day. See, a lot of you do it on Sunday, and I appreciate that. Some of you do it a couple times a month. I appreciate that. Some of you, first time here in a long time, I appreciate that you're here. If you're a parent, you might remember when your kids were little, and you couldn't wait for the day where they could feed themselves. Right? You didn't have to spoon feed them. You didn't have to go to a restaurant, cut up their meat, make sure they got enough food to actually sustain life, right? Did they swallow it? Is it in their mouth? You know, they're spitting stuff out. How many of you remember the time, like that relief, when your kids could self-feed? You remember that? Like, how cool is that? I can't remember taking my kids to McDonald's and, and just watching them, like, eat french fries by themselves, because, yeah, that's on the food chain. And then, you know, with cheeseburgers or whatever it was, it was a big step of maturity, a big step of physical growth when kids become self-feeders. Now, at that point, as a parent, it's just teaching them then from that point forward what to eat and what not to eat. But they can actually get it into their mouth. And I I love that. You know, there's the whole food pyramid. I can remember growing up, and that changed a couple of times, you know, for my kids. Like, things that used to be important aren't important anymore, and things have been shuffled on the food pyramid. And we were trying to make sure our kids got enough of this, and enough of that, and enough of that. And now it's, you know, macros. Do you have enough carbs? Do you have enough protein? Are you you got stuff on your phone? You can count that. Listen, I'm going to simplify this whole thing for you, all right? New food pyramid. This is how you follow. I mean, it's just like this. is. It's easy. It's easy, right? Forget the one that has all those options. Go with the simple. That's what I say. A balanced diet to me is a donut in one hand and Diet Coke in the other. I mean, it's like two things. I'm in balance. When it comes to your spiritual condition, when it comes to the part of you that's designed by God to exist for eternity... Learning to feed your soul, nourish your spirit, grow your faith, sustain your true essence, that's something that we need to take seriously. And that's what we're going to spend some time on today. Here's what I've observed. A lot of people, even people would say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. You might even call yourself spiritual. You don't know how to feed yourself. See, a lot of people count on the pastor to do it. Pastor, cut my meat for me. Feed me the truth. But then through the week... You're spiritually malnourished. You come in on Sundays, hungrily staring at me, yawning with mouths open. Ah, oh, feed me, pastor. And then you hope to make it another week. What if you could learn the basic, this is basic. What if you could learn the basic skills necessary to become a student of the scripture? so that you could feed yourself, strengthen your faith, sustain your spirit, and grow strong in the Lord every day, every day, and you could do this on your own. If I could teach you that skill, I may have made the single greatest contribution to your spiritual well-being that I could possibly make. The issue of learning to go to the Scripture, know how to make it practical in your own life every day, I can't think of anything else that could change your life more, your future, your hope, your courage, your wisdom, than that skill. Now, I do understand. The minute I say, become a student of the Scripture, some of you are already freaking out. Like, that sounds intimidating. Brad, I'm not a scholar. I didn't go to seminary. I've tried to read the Bible, but I don't understand the Bible. The reasons for not reading the Bible are endless. But the reasons to read the Bible are enormous. In the scriptures, we find the answers to life's greatest questions How did I get here? What's my purpose for being here? It's in the scriptures, in the pages of the Bible, that we find hope for tomorrow. Help for today. Strength in our weakness. Protection from our enemies. Wisdom for our uh, journey. Uh, comfort when our heart breaks. Like it's there in the Bible. Direction. When you want to know how to get from here to there. It's in the Bible. Everything you need to live an abundant life and to have spiritual strength is found in the library called the Bible. Now notice I called it a library. I didn't call it a book. See, the Bible is a library of 66 books written over a period of 1,500 years, 40 different authors, and yet all the way through it, there is a consistency. Now let me address something I hear well-meaning people say. Well, Brad, through the years... People have rewritten the Bible many, many times. Undoubtedly, it has changed, so it's no longer reliable. And my answer would be, really? In the last hundred years, a shepherd was bored because I can't think of anything more mind-numbing than just sitting there counting sheep. We count sheep to go to sleep. This is some people's jobs. So he's like, I'm bored. He starts throwing rocks up in a cave that he sees up in a hill in the Middle East near the Dead Sea, and he hears thunk, and he's curious about what he heard. So he goes up to investigate, and he discovers what we now know as the Dead Sea Scrolls, pottery filled with scrolls that contained documents, and some of those documents are parts of our Bible. For instance, the Old Testament book of Isaiah was found in one of those pots. And you would think, 1,000 years that scroll had existed. 1,000 years. Longer than the existence of the Roman Empire. Five times longer than the existence of our country. You would think in a 1,000 years, you take the book of Isaiah as an example. In 1,000 years, there would have been a lot of changes. Because, you know, scribes, they didn't have copy machines. They didn't have Xerox. They didn't have AI. They just had to handwrite that stuff. you think a lot would have changed. No wonder we can't count on it. Fundamentally, it's got to be different. Unreliable. And yet, take that 1,000-year-old scroll and lay it next to the Isaiah that you have in your Bible, fundamentally the same. No substantial changes whatsoever. Okay, Brad, okay. But what about archaeology? What about science? And the stuff we know now that we didn't know then, doesn't that bring the scripture into some level of doubt? And my question back would be, does it? In the 1950s, People pointed to the book of Daniel as proof that the Bible was not historically accurate, therefore could not be trusted as God's word. And what they cited was a reference that's in the book of Daniel to a Babylonian leader. Now, Babylon was a big empire. They had a big library. They're well-documented. And yet in the Bible, there was the name of one of the leaders of Babylon, and his name didn't appear in any other documents anywhere else in the world. No record of this guy ever having existed, let alone as a ruler in Babylon. The Bible was the only book on the planet that had a reference to that Babylonian leader. So we were like, look, the Bible's making stuff up. Until archaeologists digging around found some stone tablets in a strata of the earth that had tons of data on that era in the history of Babylon that we didn't know much about. And guess whose name they found? The name of the man who had only ever been mentioned before in the Bible. Every time there's been an archaeological discovery that has any impact on the details of Scripture, it has only supported the Scripture. Let's go to math, the laws of probability, to build your confidence even further. In the scripture, there are hundreds and hundreds of detailed predictions about what the Messiah would be like, how Israel would be able to identify him when he came, what his life would be like. There are hundreds of these, all these predictions. And these predictions were made anywhere from 500 to 800 years before Jesus was ever born. And of the hundreds of predictions about the Messiah, and I mean detailed, that he'd be born in Bethlehem, crucified on a cross, all of that, all of that, of all of those predictions, hundreds of them, they all came true in the life of Jesus. Now, a mathematician calculated the odds that that hundreds of predictions written by countless writers Centuries before, the odds that that could come true in the life of just one man, same odds that a tornado could pass through a junkyard and the winds could assemble a 747 airplane. Big odds. It's just not going to happen. Just not going to happen unless the scriptures are trustworthy and in some way have been protected through the centuries by the guiding hand of God. Now, some people don't like reading the Bible. I understand that because when you read the Bible, some of it's a little disturbing. The Bible is so darn honest and so darn truthful, and it points out stuff in our life that honestly, we just don't want to look at. We just don't want to deal with. How many of you some days just rather not look in a mirror? Let me see your hands. How many of you would say there are times... Of every day, you don't want to look in the mirror, right? Especially in the morning, it's like, oh. Here's what we know about the Scripture. All the Scriptures are inspired by God, and they're useful. Well, useful how? They teach us what's true, help us realize what's wrong, corrects us in that wrong, and then doesn't leave us there. Oh, bad boy, bad girl, and then walk away. No. Also helps us to do What's right? Think about it. Teaches us what's true. People say things like, well, you know, human existence is kind of random. Our existence is random. Life is just, you know, a dice roll, crapshoot, happenstance. Is that true? The Bible says otherwise. There are people who say, well, chaos rules everything. There is no order, there is no meaning. Suffering and pain have no explanation. There is no real hope for tomorrow. We live, we die, that's the end. Is that true? The Bible says otherwise. See, we have God's very words about the most important issues in our life. And the scripture teaches us what is right. And it also reveals to us what's wrong. This is when it gets a little uncomfortable. It exposes what we need to see in our life. Why? So that we can improve it. Not to leave us in shame, not to put us in the corner, not to have us stand and time out, not to fall under condemnation. It shows us what's wrong so that we can get better. God's desire for you is always to just get better. God's desire for you is always good. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and say, God's desire for you is always good. Go ahead, tell your neighbor, his desire for you is always good. It's always good. Let me give you an example of this. How many of you are neat and clean in your home? Let me see your hands. Home's neat and clean. That's that's about half. My wife's raising her hand. Neat and clean. She married me and she said, oh, my Lord. (laughs) I've got my work cut out for me. Right? I mean, if we were to come over to your house right now, I wonder how many of you would be comfortable for us just look around take some pictures, show them on the screens next Sunday, let everybody take a peek, right? Now, listen, some of us would have homes where people would look and say, that's pretty clean. That's really decent. I didn't see any dust. It seems to be organized. We would conclude that house is clean. Then what would we conclude if we moved your washer and dryer? Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh, reading the Bible is like moving your washer and dryer after you've been tempted to conclude, I think I'm pretty good. The scripture's like a flashlight. It helps us get back in those corners, helps us to see stuff we haven't acknowledged or haven't known or didn't want anybody else to see, like a little bit of greed, a little bit of lust. A little bit of selfishness, a little bit of pride and arrogance in there, a little bit of prejudice or anger or hate or unwillingness to forgive, like the flashlight's on. And let me tell you something, we all have dirt behind our spiritual washer and dryer. Any perfect people in the room? No, there's not. There's not. Here's what the scripture does. It reveals, but I love this, it doesn't just stop there it also what? It also heals. See, once God points out our need, he also offers to us the solution. The Bible takes us to Christ. The purpose of the Bible has one purpose, to be a witness to Jesus, to take us to Jesus, to show us how we can receive cleaning and forgiveness. It teaches us not to be under condemnation, but to get free of condemnation. Not to feel shame, but to release shame. That's the heart of God. The Bible offers care for all the emotional, psychological, spiritual needs you'll ever have. You read the Bible every day, you will soon get over your regrets. You study the Bible every day, you will soon stop being a person Who's filled with fear? You read the Bible every day, every day. You will soon see your heart softening and your compassion for others what? Increasing. Increasing. You read the Bible every day, you will soon feel comforted through the recession. You'll find hope for your future and you'll find instruction for your relationships. Why don't you look at these verses? By your words, I can see where I'm going they throw a beam of light on my dark path. I've committed myself. I'll never turn back from living by your righteous order. Everything's falling apart on me. God, how many of you have ever been there? Everything's fallen apart. Put me together again with your word. So here's our quandary. We have the Bible, this rich resource that's there to help us, to help us. What do we do with it? I mean, it's like a new father looking at his first dirty diaper. What am I supposed to do with this, right? That's how a lot of people feel about the Bible. Well, we're going to spend the rest of our time today in a workshop. We're going to have an interactive seminar experience where I'm going to teach you a system that I was taught, and I've taught to countless other people through the years, how to make your personal daily time of Bible reading dynamic and powerful in your life Now, I need to give you a couple quick suggestions, okay? Like beforehand, like when you, when you wake up in the morning, here's some things I want you thinking about. First of all, I want you to get a contemporary translation of the Scriptures. We don't speak like Shakespeare, so trying to muddle through King James translation that was written in 1611 is not the best choice for most people. I know a couple people who love that. They grew up with that. But for most people, it's going to be a little challenging. So I suggest maybe the New International Version. That's the best-selling translation of the Bible, a little more readable. The one I use is called the New Living Translation. It's even more readable version of the Bible. And the English Standard Version is quickly becoming uh, very, very popular. So get a readable copy of the Bible that you own yourself, all right? The next thing. Make sure it's a life application Bible. Here's what I mean by that. It has study notes in it so that you can read a part of it. And then there's a bit of explanation given, you know, on that same page, like a commentary or or like a little teacher that's right there with you and explains what you've just read. All right. And then number three, commit to read it every day. Now, there are all kinds of daily reading plans. You can just Google this. Like you could say, you know, for the next 90 days, I I want a 90-day Bible reading plan on the topic of worry. Or I want a 90-day Bible reading plan on the topic of marriage or the topic of finances. Or I want to be able to read the New Testament in the next Six months and there'll be a, there's a plan that you could find online for that. It'll tell you what to read every day. And then six months from now, you read the whole New Testament. Or I want a reading plan where I will have read the whole Bible in the next year. That kind of thing, all right? So commit to read it every day. Lots of tools available online to help you do that. And then write your thoughts every day. You read it, you write it. You read it, you write it. The discipline of journaling every day allows you to personalize, listen, and internalize what you've just read. You read it, we forget 75% of what we've read in 75 hours, but we only forget like 45% of what we've read if we read it and we write something about it, all right? All right? All right, so now we're gonna jump into this interactive part. We're gonna use an acronym to remember, and it's SOAP, S-O-A-P, just like you bathe and use soap every day. (laughs) I just made an assumption. This daily plan is for using God's word every day. So we get the Bible, a readable Bible, right? We're reading it every day. We're ready to journal. We don't know how to journal or write down. So we got to start with reading the Bible. So reading plans will have a suggested passage of scripture or several chapters to read every day. So what I've done on your note page, on the eight and a half by 11 sheet, I just put an example of this. This is a part of the Bible from the Old Testament. A lot of people find the Old Testament very challenging to read. And the section I've given you today for us to study, we're going to do this together. is from an Old Testament prophet named Jeremiah. Now, it's just a short portion of Jeremiah chapter 18. If you open a Bible and you look up Jeremiah 18, you'll see there's 23 verses in that chapter. I've only given you the first 12 because we just don't have time to go through a whole chapter. But in a reading plan, you might have four or five chapters to read that day, but I'm going to teach you how to do that. As you read your daily Bible reading, like the plan you've picked, you're reading the Bible every day. As you read your daily Bible reading, I want you to underline anything that makes you go, huh? Or wow, or that really spoke to me, or I needed that today. Like anything that just jumps out at you. I mean, some days you'd find you go through your daily, and you're, not, you're hardly underlining anything. It's like just one of those days, just didn't really, you know, not a lot spoke to you in that. That's all right, it's normal. Some days it's like, man, I feel like underlining all of it. This is so rich, it's like meeting me right where I am. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. You're going to read these 12 verses. And I want you to underline anything that you find that's cool, has meaning or powerful. It's speaking to your heart. There's no right or wrong to this. All right? Now, I'm going to read it out loud just to kind of keep our pace, right? So we're not taking too much time. I'm going to read it out loud. But as I'm reading, as you're reading, just something pops out in your scripture. Take your pen. You've got your booklet, right? I want you to start underlining. So here we go. The Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, Go down to the potter's shop and I will speak to you there. So I did as he told me, and I found the potter working at his wheel. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. So he crushed it into a lump of clay again and he started over. Then the Lord gave me this message, O Israel. Can I not do to you as the potter has done to his clay? As the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. If I announce that a certain nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, but that nation renounces its evil ways, I will not destroy it as I had planned. And if I announce that I will plant and build up a certain nation or kingdom, but then that nation turns to evil, and refuses to obey me. I will not bless it as I said I would. Therefore, Jeremiah, go and warn all Judah and Jerusalem. Say to them, this is what the Lord says. I'm planning disaster for you instead of good. So turn from your evil ways, each of you, and do what is right. But the people replied, don't waste your breath. We will continue to live as we want to, stubbornly following our own evil desires. All right? So that's the section of Scripture. Uh, Let's just say that was your daily Bible reading for today. So you've gone through it. You've underlined. Now, here's what I underline on mine. Like in the first part, I underline, I will speak to you there. I did as he told me. That just jumped out to me. God's going to speak, and I'm doing what he says. Then the next section, I underline, as the clay is in the potter's hands, So are you in my hands. Like, I I liked the idea that my life is in the hands of God. That just jumped out at me that day. If I read it tomorrow, I might underline something else. You with me so far? Yes? Yes. Next part. And if I announce that I will plant and build up a certain nation or kingdom, but then the nation turns to evil and refuses to obey me, I will not bless it as I said I would. That's that got my attention. (laughs) And then this next part. So turn from your evil ways, each of you, and do what is right. Like that, that spoke to me. That spoke to me too. All right? So you've read this Jeremiah section. You've already underlined, right? Have you already underlined? things that just kind of spoke to you. All right, we're gonna have one more example. And this is from Psalm 93, okay? Psalm 93. So I'm gonna read it through as, as you're reading it. And just again, this is just another example. Underline what speaks to you. The Lord is king. He is robed in majesty. Indeed, the Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. The world stands firm and cannot be shaken. Your throne, O Lord, has stood from time immemorial. You yourself are from the everlasting past. The floods have risen up, O Lord. The floods have roared like thunder. The floods have lifted their pounding waves in Ventura County. Oh, wait just a minute, that's not there. Anybody see some of the waves this week? Yeah, that was like, it's right here in the Bible. But mightier than the violent raging of the seas, mightier than the breakers on the shore, the Lord above is mightier than these." So your royal laws cannot be changed. You reign, your reign, O Lord, is holy forever and ever. So a shorter chapter in the Bible, all right? Here's what I underlined when I went through. The Lord is king, like I just jumped out at me. And he's armed with strength, like that jumped out at me too. In the next section, like nothing really jumped out at me there. But then in the last section, your royal laws cannot be changed you reign holy forever and ever. Like that whole, that whole sentence uh, or section jumped out at me. So here's what we've done. We have a Bible that we can read. We have a daily Bible reading plan. We read the plan for that day. And as we're reading, we're underlining what's interesting, curious, meaningful, odd, powerful, personal, right? You pick just one uh, you, you, you underline all of it. How many are you with me? I don't want to lose you yet. All right, here's what you're going to do. From everything you've underlined, let's just say you've underlined 10 things, 10 verses or 10 couplings of verses or what. You've underlined 10 things, let's say, between Jeremiah 18 and the Psalm passage. I want you to pick one of those that is most significant for you today. I just want you to pick one, okay? Just look through them real quick. Pick one part that you underline, either from the Jeremiah passage or the psalm passage, all right? We're using the SOAP acronym. Mine is the scripture. I mean, this is the scripture part. That's what S stands for. So here's what I want you to do. In your journal now, now you're going to open up your little booklet. I want you to write word for word the section that you picked for today. Might be one verse, might be a couple verses. Hope it wasn't a paragraph. You're going to be here a while, right? Even if it's a long, long section, just write a little bit of it because that'll help you know what you're supposed to do. So you underline a lot. And then from that, you pick one that is most significant to you. Because writing is going to help embed this in your heart and you write it out word for word. So for me, it would look like this because this was the part I underlined. So I had some from Jeremiah, I had some from Psalm. I picked this part. So I just write it out word for word, just like it is in the Bible. Now that's in my journal. And I actually put S and a hyphen, and then I wrote the word scripture, and then I wrote it, because we're gonna do S-O-A-P, we're gonna do soap. This is the scripture. This is the one you're gonna deal with today. This is how you pick. What spoke to you the most today? You read it all, you underline some, and from the sum, you pick one. Is anybody lost? Everybody with me? Right? Brad, you're making me work too early in the morning. Not awake yet. We've got coffee and sugar in the lobby. All right? Caffeine and sugar. No excuse for anybody to be asleep this morning. All right? S-O-A-P. S is for scripture. Now we're going to O. This is for observations. Basically, what I'm going to do, I'm going to put O in my journal, in your little booklet, with a hyphen, then I'm going to write the word observation. And basically, I'm just going to paraphrase what I feel are the main parts of the verse I just wrote. I'm just going to paraphrase it. So, you know, you you write, you know, word for word, like I did. I wrote it word for word, just like this, just like what's on your screen. That's word for word. But then I write my observations, and it looks like this. God has the ability to raise nations or diminish them. And he blesses nations based on their obedience to him. Like, that's kind of what it said to me, right? It's a summary. It's a paraphrase. You don't have to do it word for word, just kind of, You're you're kind of boiling it down, like this is what it means to me. Anybody have questions so far on this part? So word for word is the scripture, that's the S. Oh, I just kind of paraphrase it in my own words. This is what it says to me. This is what I think it was saying. All right? So I want you to do that. Just kind of rewrite it. Those of you online, hang with us. Just look at me. My wife and I matched today. We wore creams and beiges and neutral colors. She looks better in hers. All right? So, we have identified the scripture. We write that in our journal. We rewrote it by summarizing or paraphrasing what we observed. That's the O, S for scripture, O for observation. A then is application. This is the fun part. This is where you get to say why this is meaningful to you. Why this spoke to you. What you intend to do about it. So if you go back to my last step, observation. God has the ability to raise nations or diminish them. He blesses nations based on their obedience. That's about nations. That's not yet personal. You see that? I'm not a nation. That's not yet about me. I could look at that detached, cold. Well, the Bible's just talking about nations. What does that have to do with me? Oh, I've got to apply that. Because for some reason, this is what jumped out at me. So now I know God wants me to pay attention to this. I got to figure this out. How do I apply that to my life? Here's what I wrote. God can bless me and may in fact have blessings ready for me. He may be ready to elevate me, but it's possible to miss that blessing. It's possible to be diminished instead of elevated if I turn to evil and disobey him. You see what I did? So I took this general verse about God can raise nations based on their obedience, or he can diminish nations based on their disobedience. So I made it no longer about nations. Now I made it, this is how this speaks to me in my life. Just like he can raise a nation, he can elevate me. Just like he can diminish a nation, he can diminish me. And it's based on you know, whether or not I'm living life his way or I'm just trying to do it my way. So we've got scripture, we have observation, we have application, S-O-A-P, all right? Let me give you just a couple seconds here on the application part. See if you can't make what you wrote down speak to you in your life, okay? Can you do that? Let me see your writing. Like, write it down, like, you know what? I didn't think that had anything to do with me, but yeah, if I... I really try to apply that to my life, here's what it would mean. You just write a sentence or two. All right, man, I see smoke coming out of some ears. People are working hard. You're thinking. Do you have enough light? I, of course, right now, you know, we're almost done and I have them sitting in the dark. Everybody, can you see? Yeah. I'm older than you, so I can't see in the dark. (laughs) All right. All right. You've got it enough. You've got the point enough. Won't make everybody sit and wait. We're going to get to the final step. The final step is prayer. Final step is prayer. This is cool. This is now something I want to say back to God. Because here's what's happened. When you're reading the Bible and a part of your reading hits your heart, A part of what you're reading. Everything doesn't hit your heart. Only a part of it does. And then from all the parts that did, you pick the one that hit your heart the most. That is God speaking to you. It's like God just wrote you that little love note. God just sent you that little text. God just sent you that little email. When we get to the prayer part, This is where you write an email back. God has spoken to you. Now you get to respond. So mine would be something like this. Thank you, Jesus. You're going to see I'm just really kind of, you know, saying the same things again. But now I'm saying it to Jesus. You have blessings planned for me. And I really am sorry for the blessings I missed because I wasn't doing things your way. But now, I want to live in such a way that I receive all the elevation, all the blessings that you do desire to give to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you see? So I I take a very formal scripture, but then I rewrite it in my words. And then I talk about how I'm going to apply this in my life. And now I tell God about that. That's my prayer. So what I've done, I have S for scripture, O for observation, A for application, and then P for prayer, all right? I'm going to give you like 60 seconds here just to write a short prayer based on what God said to you in the verse that meant the most to you from what we read today. Just tell him from your heart how that meant something to you. I could have sent you home with your homework, but your homework's gonna be done before you leave. How cool is that? All right, just a short prayer. All right, I don't want to interrupt, but I want us to keep going because I think you get it. I think you get it. Like it's not... A complex thing, this actually simplifies the process of reading the Bible. If you're reading along, reading along, reading along, it's like nothing there for me today, nothing there for me today. You know, a a Bible reading plan, just depending on the plan you pick, could have three, four, even five chapters. There could be 15, 20 minutes of reading in there. So there's probably going to be something, then that would be the something you land on. Some days it's like, gosh, how do I pick? The whole thing spoke to me. But then you just kind of do the discipline. I'm just picking one. What's my main thing today? And it kind of helps you focus, all right? So I'm going to call for some commitments today, all right? Calling for some commitments. I to just teach you this and let you walk out. That wouldn't be fair to you. So the first commitment I will ask you to make is I will look for a personal message from God. This is your commitment. I'm going to read the Bible. And I'm going to look for what he's saying to me today. So you've got to go out and get a readable Bible, And then you're going to need to download for, you know, go to the Googler and and pick a reading plan. And then I'm going to look for God's message to me every day. God God wants to talk to you every day. He wants to talk to you. And a main way he does that is through the testimony and the writings of witnesses, eyewitnesses to the work of God that's recorded in the Bible. Here's the next one. I will look. Oh, I did that, right? I will No, I will read the Bible every day. I will look for a personal message from God. I think I got ahead of myself. Look for a personal message. And then I will write my thoughts in my spiritual journal. I'll write my thoughts in my spiritual journal. Now, what we gave you, that's, I mean, that's not a full journal. You can get some really cool journals. You know, get one that has 300 plus pages because you're gonna miss some days. But then at the end of a year, you'd have a whole book of your experience and conversations with God through the year if you had 300 pages. Because you can do all of this usually on one page. So I'll write my thoughts in my spiritual journal and I will apply and pray about what I've read. Apply and pray about what I've read. How many of you learned something today? How many of you think this could help you? Right? Yeah? All right, let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much. Kind of a fun little way to start the new year different kind of service, interactive. We all did some work. None of that are the main things. The main thing is what we've really learned, like the, the real message, is that God speaks every day. And if we put ourselves in a place where we can listen, God will speak to us every day. And if God speaks to us and we listen, it shows up in our life. Our life will fundamentally get better, stronger, more confident, courageous. Our wisdom will go up. Our relationships will improve. We all want that. What better way to make these commitments than the Sunday that really kicks off a new year? So thank you for today. Thank you for the Bible. In Jesus' name, and everybody said? Amen, amen. Amen. Amen.